and welcome to episode 400. Oh, that's actually a good question. 416 it is today. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since my last show. This is the sort of thing that you might say at the beginning of an AA meeting, which I assure you this is not. This is Sonic Talk. We talk about music, tech and all kinds of stuff. Yes, I've been on holidays, had a couple of weeks off. And as what often happens when you don't switch things on for a while and there's a change in the weather, you get a little technical glitches. So I've had a few issues today, uh, but we've got a, a new guest and an old guest and uh, a lot of fun to be had today. So let me say thank you also to our show sponsors, Isotope. Uh, if you want to hear more about what they're offering, uh, stay tuned because we've got a competition coming up. We've also got the winners of the last competition where we have a person who won Trash 2. So uh, stay tuned and you will quite possibly be able to enter. Well, you will definitely be able to enter. If you've got time and you're not on Twitter, maybe you should get an account because it just requires a little bit of tweeting. That's all. Very, very simple stuff. Anyway, welcome one and all. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Rich Hilton over there in Connecticut. Rich, of course, is a uh, keyboard player with Chic and Nile Rogers studio guy and uh, breakfast uh, uh, bon fever. <laughs> Denizen. <laughs> Denizen. How are you, Rich? Are you well? Um, good, thank you. Very well. And well fed in this case. Thank you. Excellent. I'm so pleased to have you on. We haven't had you on for a little while. I know you've been gallivanting all over the place, haven't you? You've been doing a lot of um, touring and gigs and what have you. How's that all been? Is that yeah. finished now? It's uh, finished for a few weeks, but um, it's been great. And uh, we got to see six countries in nine days. What? And, uh, on the and, same continent? Uh, places... <laughs> Uh, yeah, generally, but some of it was Scandinavia. Most of it, actually, half of it was Scandinavia. But, uh, so it's kind of north of the continent. But yes, the same continent. And uh, wonderful, wonderful places that I'd never seen before. And incredible audiences and really successful shows. Excellent. That was, of course, so. Chic uh, traveling, uh, traveling Disco Circus, as I've heard you uh, tell. So, but essentially, you were traveling in continent, if you get what I'm saying. that was that's, I just had to say yeah. that. It's a pun that just could not be avoided. I do beg in your pardon. In continent, I see. I see, I see. <laughs> well, there were... Uh, uh, I'm sure there were well, no episodes of that nature in your travels. You would needn't be that sure. I actually got sick in the middle of this tour. Oh, no. I had one show where I had to play sitting down because it was just too much, and I couldn't sing because I was too but, distressed. But, but the show but, must go on. Absolutely. Oh, well done. Right, we seem to have a very mobile second guest uh, who's joining us on mobile. We've <laughs> we've had a few issues with uh, bandwidth, but we now have uh, Mr. Suit and Tie Guy of STG Sound Labs, and more importantly, Knobcon, which is coming up in September. Uh, he's there pictured in front of it. Is that one of your systems, or is that a, uh, a Moog system? No, this is uh, this is uh, what uh, I built here. Ah, yes. Uh, and uh, it's what I play. Um, and uh, yeah, I was walking around because I was, I, I, I'm, I put the phone on this music stand because my. The laptop was uh, not working too well. So yeah, well, we we we've figured out that you've actually got better mobile bandwidth than you have wired bandwidth, which is just one of those kind of <laughs> things. I I get that at home too. Anyway, Sue, as we're gonna uh, formally know uh, call you now. Of course, you make a lot of uh, modular kit. I mean, we've reviewed a couple of your things. You have got some Eurac utility stuff. I think we've got a Mankato filter actually uh, in the queue for review. I know Ed's been very excited by that, so that's going to be coming soon. But more importantly, uh, Knobcon is coming up in, uh, well, just under a couple of weeks, isn't it? I'm going to switch to the web view, but you can tell me a little bit. Nobcon 4, the Raiders of the Lost Arp in your synth punnery arsenal. Who gets to decide the name? <laughs> uh, those are all my names. I, uh, I haven't planned out 
quite a ways uh, ahead. It's, it's it's kind of exciting, actually. <laughs> Excellent. So it's because it's, it seems to have rapidly become kind of the. I mean, I call it a synth meat. I guess it's it, it, rather than a modular meat. There's a there is a distinction, right? Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the world's only synthesizer convention. Uh, a convention is something that takes place at a convention center, and uh, you've got uh, exhibits and workshops and a reception and a banquet, and uh, we have all those things. So this qualifies as a convention. This is not just a synth meet, um, and uh, this is our fourth year. Uh, we've had uh, a really, really good growth. Um, actually, like I, I, I mean, I'm delighted with how it's going uh, the first year we had about 100 people the second year we had about 200 people and the third year uh we had 300 people and uh this year um i don't know how many people we'll have but we've already sold uh, twice as many room nights to the hotel um as we did last year so if that's any indicator then i would say you know we we I'm expecting a linear growth this year, but I could be wrong. Oh, well, that, yeah, up or down. That's awesome. So, so I mean, I guess uh, there's a kind of a tradition of uh, conventions, aren't they? It's the it's the like you say, the formula of you get a hotel, you rent it out, you use the function rooms, and you have like a banquet and stuff. What made you go for that kind of more traditional kind of approach? Um, well, I thought it had to be done. <laughs> I mean, someone's got to. Well, I mean, someone's got to say, "Let's kick this up." You know, I, I got. I mean, I just I got bored and frustrated with the smaller synth meets, and I said, mm, "This community needs a convention. It needs to be taken seriously." And um, and I thought that KnobCon would be a good step in, you know, so- solidifying you know what, um, how strong the, and vibrant this community is, and uh, also. You know, allowing um, allowing me to also you know recognize some some people too. Uh, like last year, uh, Herb Deutsch was our speaker, wow. and uh, yeah, and I uh, we I it was the first year that I presented the NomCon Lifetime Achievement Award for you know excellence in in synthesis, and it's a it's a five hundred percent scale three uh, D printed Moog knob that's painted gold. <laughs> And, uh, and I handed that to him and it felt great, you know, cause I, I felt that, uh, you know, not enough, um, there's no, there's no synthesizer award until, until, the, no, I mean, there's I think, like, yeah, that's, I think you know, good. like Nam has a technology award, but this is about synthesizers and electronic instruments. This is, you know, this is a section of, of the music instrument industry. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a subsection. One of the things that I do find really interesting because I've been to a few synth meets and they they, they t- tend to take a, a, a kind of standard format. When you're saying how many actual exhibitors are you getting? I mean, you're getting a lot of manufacturers. Are you getting enthusiasts coming with their rigs and just kind of setting up and and showing what's what. How does that work? Uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a there's we literally have everyone. Um, we have a variety of exhibits ranging from. Uh, individuals who just have a cool old thing that they want to show off to people. Like last year, someone brought a movement drum computer. Uh, I never thought I'd see one of those in person. So that was exciting. And uh, uh, all the way up to uh, this year, uh, Roland and Yamaha uh, are both um, sponsors. 
Uh, so, I mean, you have everywhere from the smallest, the smallest unit to the largest unit in the synthesizer industry is represented at KnobCon which is exactly what I wanted to see. I guess the thing is also now, because, I mean, as we've been experiencing in the last few months or, well, years, certainly, you know, the whole Eurac and analog synthesis market has just gone kind of crazy, particularly now we've got, um, you know, Roland entering with uh, the Iris stuff. And, you know, I'm sure there are other things coming along, but it feels like there, there's a, it's, a, it's a pivotal time for, for synthesis. Again, I mean, you know, you, you look, it's really interesting because you look in the guitar market, and it feels very sort of um, deflated compared to how it was, you know, really only a few, uh, uh, you know, uh, fractions of a year ago. I mean, and there was a lot more kind of vibrancy and, and, and stuff around boutique pedals. That seems to have dropped away very quickly and been replaced by this kind of notion. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, uh, we've entered a truly postmodern era. Uh, I, I mean, this is a large discussion if you want to have it. I love talking about this. Um, we're at a point in, in history where there's like art. I, I don't think there's anything new. Um, there's no, there's no top 40, you know, I mean, mm. what is top 40 nowadays? You know, I mean, everybody is still listening to baby boomer, uh, baby boomer music. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I mean, and I'm not complaining. I'm not saying this is bad. I think it's great. Everything's been done. So now we just have to do good stuff. And so what you're seeing in, in uh, synthesizers uh, growing the way they have over the past 10 years is just a, a flattening of, 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 the, of the overall market where uh, for, for too long um, it was a little lopsided. Um, guitars were very, very popular with kids, but now they also like synthesizers. Guitars are never going to go away, but I like telling people like, um, the synthesizer industry is finally where the guitar industry was in the nineties. And I think this is a great thing and it makes me very happy. Hmm. That's an interesting point. And, uh, I mean, if I offend anybody by saying that I think that art is now completely postmodern, like I, I'm, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be mean or discourage people from making art. I make art. Um, but I mean, I just, it used for, for the longest time, pop music was driven by what sounds new. What's a new sound? Well, new sounds are stupid. I like good sound. <laughs> I think that's a very valid point. I know, Rich, do you find, I mean, because it's really interesting, because in, in your world, you know, Niall has been, Niall Rogers has been, you know, he's like the disco king, but guitar, you know, guitar is his thing. Do you think there's been a kind of hump in, in people wanting to play guitars again? Because, you know, you've got like a, a, an icon like Niall who's featuring in a lot of the... Um, you know, front and center pop stuff. I mean, does he think that's countered the uh, rise of synth to any degree? Well, I think there's been a considerable rise in uh, interest in people playing together live over the last at least 15 years, I would say, that was sort of heralded in by what's called the jam band movement, which is sort of a post-Grateful Dead-based uh, concept where people... And it brought playing back to the fore where... The previous 15 years or so had been dominated by drum machines, line input mixers, small port studios, and people basically sort of messing about on their own or in very small groups, but not generally in rooms full of people playing together, as had been the case prior to that. All of which 
Well, so yeah, to, the short answer to your question is yes. So that brings back guitar into the fold quite considerably. And there is a lot of interest, I think, right now in guitar playing. And uh, I don't know, I don't know what the numbers are, you know, in terms of sales and that sort of thing. But it does seem to me, I've, I've been to a few festivals <laughs> lately. Yeah. Both as a player and as a, and also as a guest, as a uh, audience member. And uh, I don't see any waning of interest in the guitar. That's for darn sure. No, certainly in terms of life. I mean, it's quite, that's quite interesting because, I mean, if you, you go back a couple of decades or, or, or perhaps before, you know, there was, there, there was a whole um, range of um, virtuoso performers. You know, we had bass players, you know, it's probably started with Pastorius and then got into the kind of whole slap thing. You know, so those seem to be missing a little bit in the, in, certainly in contemporary well, music so much now. I mean, do you think that's, that just, might come back? You've just held the door open for a nice little old guy rant. Um, <laughs> preceding that uh, dawning of the democratization of the music making process, which included the appearance of drum machines and porta studios and people having their own little rigs at home and everybody with a mic pre is now an engineer and all of that. Would, in preceding that, we had a good half century of people practicing playing live together. Right. And the development of that was, and, and you might say it goes back more than half a century. You might go back, say it goes back three, four, five centuries. You might sure. say it goes back a millennia. But the point is, up to that point, pretty much the entire history of music performance was based around the idea that people were going to be either alone or together in a room playing music live. And that was all there was. And that's, you know, if you had the piano in town, people would come to your house and we'd all stand around and sing songs. And that's what music was. And when it stopped being just that, people got focused differently, and that process took a hit. And so when it started back up 10, 15, 20, you can argue the numbers, uh, years later, it wasn't starting back up from where it left off. It had taken an inevitable step backwards because that progression, that momentum had been lost in the process of becoming extremely digital and analytical about everything. And I'm not making a value judgment about any of this. I'm not saying it was better before or it's better now or any of that. I'm just stating what I observe to have happened. So now you have a situation where people are sort of trying to regain the level. And now 15 years in, we're starting to get closer uh, to what had been left off in, say, the mid to late 70s as far as live performance standard goes. Now, that said, there are tons of exceptions to what I'm saying. And there are plenty of good bands that have come along and many of whom have become iconic and legendary along that path anyway, aside from everything that I'm talking about. But uh -huh. in the broadest sense, this is how I see the evolution of live playing and why it's at where it's at now. That's a really interesting point. Uh, uh, coming back to you, Sue, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back into sort of the Nobcom world to a degree. Are you uh, encouraging or uh, creating an environment at Nobcom where people can kind of come and play together? I mean, are you generating master clocks and that, that kind of thing, you know, like you see on some of the larger synthesizer bands. Well, yeah, yeah. A actually, that's, that's, it's interesting that you asked that question because I, we, I, 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 me being a musician and being a music lover, I wanted music to be a part of KnobCon. It started with um, the first two years. It was, uh, we had a re reception on Friday. You know, KnobCon is a three-day event. So it was Friday through Saturday. Uh, Friday through Sunday, um, and the reception is on Friday night, and we have, um, it's a party. I don't like calling it um, 
I don't like calling it a concert or uh, performances. Uh, there are people playing music um, that I want to see play at this thing. It's my only party I get to book all year. So, <laughs> and um, obviously I'm an egomaniac, so I play as well. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I can be blamed for this. No, I think that's um, perfectly acceptable. But, uh, then, uh, so when I added the banquet last year, I I actually hired this uh, married couple in their early 70s that they play at a they play at my favorite local restaurant a a steakhouse and they uh they play in the piano bar but for the longest time like judy uh was an organist um and so i have an honest to god uh supper club organ trio organ guitar drums Uh uh play during the banquet and then, um, like last after the banquet last year, Herb Deutsch he played Minnie Moog with them. It was amazing. Oh wow! He played St. Thomas, you know. And then afterwards, um, um, a bunch. Uh, some of us were. I mean, there was kind of a jam afterwards. Right. That was very. I mean, uh, fingers on. Uh, fingers on keys and instruments jam. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as opposed to knob twiddling sort of thing and um so this year i um wanted to foster that like kind of nurture that a little bit more um and also give people another option for after the banquet so uh this year we're gonna have a party called the knobcon big room uh which is upstairs in what is the lecture hall during the day (laughs) and uh we got um mark verbose and kodak and Oliver Dodd and uh, Tyler Thompson are playing that. Um, so, and that'll be like more dancey sort of stuff. Right. Okay. Um, so clock, and, and clock so based stuff. People yeah. have, yeah, yeah, two, a couple of different options. So, I mean, you know, there, you, I mean, I think that there's a wide variety of, 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 of music represented during the entertainment portions of KnobCon. Um, in fact, I, I, are you familiar with the Synth Freak? Um, uh, those two girls from Austin, Texas, they, they're twins and they play keyboards together. No, I don't know. Um, oh, they're wonderful. Uh, they're, um, they're, they're, they're vision and hearing impaired a little bit. Um, or actually a lot. They only hear over like a four octave range and they make incredible music together. And I've, I've brought them up every year since the second year. Um, and, um, they're coming up this year and, They'll play uh, after the banquet. I'm calling it the Players Club International, featuring the Synth Freak and Friends. Right. <laughs> so it sounds so, like that's, yeah. that's that's quite an important aspect. I mean, I think there is. I mean, what what's the what's the format for those? How do people get to come to Nobcon? I mean, is, do they buy tickets and it, you know how how does they, that, that 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 kind of thing work out? Well, uh, we have a registration form at nobcon.com. Uh, and also at knobcon.com, you'll find links to the uh, hotel uh, registration page. Uh, it's all up in the upper right-hand corner of, of the web page. Um, and you can you register online. It's very affordable. It's only $35 for a ticket. I'm trying to keep this as cheap as possible for people. So no one has an excuse not to come. Uh, tables are $25 a piece. So, you know, when I walk, I mean, Roland pays 25, I mean, they actually sponsored, so they didn't pay $25 a table. They paid a lot more than that. But I mean, if, uh, if you're, it doesn't matter what, what size company you are or how small you are, 
everyone pays $25 a table. Right. Gotcha. Uh, and I don't police, I don't police what you do with it. If you want to, if you want to sell stuff at your table, that's fine. If you just want to let people play with stuff, that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm trying to encourage, uh, people like I, I, I want it to be a little chaotic. So, um, this is kind of exciting yeah. having all these different, these different layers happening all at the same time. And then uh, we also have, uh, we have workshops or lectures or whatever you want to call them. Um, we've got four per day. Um, uh, on Saturday, we've got um, um, a lecture about the, uh, have you ever heard of the Triadex Muse? It was a, a, oh, yeah. it was a generative little thought. Okay. Well, there's a guy named Paul Geffen, and he wrote software uh, to simulate the Triadex Muse about 10 years ago. And he's going to be delivering a talk about how to, um, how to recreate, like his efforts in recreating the Triadex Muse in modern hardware. Um, and then after that, uh, again, John Sonnenberg is doing something about acoustic synthesis. He makes these, these resonating chambers out of like sil molded silicone and he does crazy stuff with it. It's very exciting. Um, and then, I'll have a, we'll have a question. Uh, actually, uh, the name of the workshop is actually Gene Stop, Ask Me Anything. Uh, so Gene Stop, he was kind of, he, he's, he worked, he rebuilt Keith Emerson's modular twice. And he's um, a, uh, an extremely important part of Moog's new modular oh, synthesizers. Right. Sounds like a, a, a and, uh, there's a huge, a huge range of stuff. I, I fully uh, uh, suggest that if you're interested in going down, that people go to Nobcon and there's presumably all of this stuff is scheduled and people can see what they want to come to and all of that stuff, right? Yes, yes, yes. And um, I should also mention uh, another uh, Sonic State um, alumnus, Mark Doty. Ah, yes. Uh, will be doing a two-hour talk called the Wave Rights. Um, only two, only two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only two hours. Well, I actually, my first idea was just to give Mark a room to himself for both days because I know he could fill it. it you know, it he he's, he loves he loves talking and it's uh, he's, a, he's a great I'm not a great guest on the show and has a lot of very interesting things to say. It sounds like a lot of fun, Rich. I don't know if you're around at that time because I'd love to get over there, but it just sadly falls um, right at the beginning of the start of term and all of those kind of things. But it sounds like this, you know, certainly if not this year, then next. You know, it sounds like there could be a lot of a lot of fun to be had down there at the very least. Yes, it sounds very interesting. I think that um, it's. I mean, the thing with these things, they get, they do tend to gather their own momentum and, you know, you do end up with a kind of a life of its own. And I think it's going to grow a lot. I think what we're going to do right now, I'm just going to br uh, bring in a message from our sponsors and then we'll move on to another couple of topics and sort of dip in and out of the whole Nobcon thing as and when. So uh, I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors. Uh, that's not them. This is them. Uh, Isotope. If I press the button, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't seem to want to work today. Right. Ah, there we go. It worked then. Let's try it. Yes. Isotope, of course. They want to tell you about Trash 2, which allows you to distort your audio in ways you never dreamed of with the Trash module 60-plus distortion algorithms. It's perfect for distorting your sound, something you've never heard before. You can design your own unique distortions from massive to mild and everything in between with customizable multiband wave shaper. Uh, let your tracks inhabit any space or object with the new Convolve module. Choose from over 100 impulse responses or load your own to put your bass in a washing machine or your synth keys in a cave. 
Find a new voice, make your audio speak and growl with two redesigned filter modules, each one featuring a new vowel formant filter, screaming peaks, node modulations and more. Start trashing your audio immediately with an extensive new preset library and an ear-friendly limiter that ensures you can play without fear, which is something we like a little bit of fear, but we don't want real fear. Anyway, um, as ever, you can download a version of Trash 2 to try out at isotope.com forward slash trash. So once again, we thank Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show. And of course, we do have, as ever, we have a competition. We're just going to announce the winner for them last time. This was a couple of weeks back because obviously we took a couple of breaks. Uh, we've got a guy called Lebeat, as in, uh, uh, but Lebeat spelt as in beetroot. So L-B-E-T music at Lebeat Music uh, is your Twitter handle. And uh, I, uh, his tweet says, what word did you say, Nick? I think that might have been referring to something I might have said on air inadvertently when I thought my mic was mute, muted, and I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, and I did manage to edit it out of the final versions. So you'll just have to imagine. Just guess. Think of a bad word. And it's probably that. Anyway, I want to say thank you to you. So, Lebeat, uh, do get in touch, and the Isotope Fairy will be able to uh, bestow Trash 2 upon you and into your account. So, uh, do go for it. And, of course, we will run another competition this week, uh, and the details of which are right here on screen. Uh, I will read them out in case you are listening to the audio version only. Uh, Isotope Trash 2. You can win Isotope Trash 2. You need to tweak, tweet the hashtag ultimate distortion which is one word and the hashtag trash two which is trash with a two on the end of it to at sonic state and at isotope inc and if you do that you get put into the draw and a random number generator picks the uh, search results from the tweet the, the tweets that have that content and then uh, that's your winner so don't forget if you're listening on audio and you can't read this the hashtag ultimate distortion the hashtag trash two at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And once again, we thank Isotope for their continued sponsor of the show. Very much appreciated. So um, the next thing, let me see what I've got here. I'm going to go, because uh, you did mention the or, uh, an organ earlier, and uh, there is a really, uh, th- this thing, the Atlantic, uh, it's the Atlantic City Auditorium, Boardwalk Auditorium organ, uh, and it is an absolute monster of they were we posted a picture on facebook and it just went absolutely mental because uh there's a facebook group called b3 organ i think which uh, and this just came up on it it is in fact this thing is the let me see i've got i've got some stats facts and figures about it um it's built by the uh, midma loche audio order organ company it's the largest even now the largest organ in the world as measured by the number of pipes which is officially thirty three thousand one hundred and twelve. Uh, the exact number is actually unknown. It's also got um, the largest pipe organ ever constructed, the largest musical instrument ever constructed, and the loudest musical mu- musical instrument ever constructed, and holds several records in the organ world. It's uh, one of the only two organs to have an open 64-foot rank, which is uh, absolutely massive. And it's got... Uh, Organ. It's the only organ to have stops voiced on a hundred inches of wind pressure, which means nothing to me. I must admit, I am not an organ aficionado, but <laughs> that that thing looks absolutely fantastic. And I know that in a local dance hall near us, there was um, uh, there was a Wurlitzer in the corner that you know they quite often used to, in the UK. They used to come out of the floor and they'd be they'd be play along to either the the uh, the music that was at the cinema or whatever. And I've never really seen one of these things. Uh, Rich, have you have have you experienced the Atlantic City? Um, organ in person not in person but i've been aware of this thing for years um 
it's, it's supposed like, to be magnificent. It sounds like the achieve that the kind of goal of a complete madman to, to make just because he could. You know, it must have cost an absolute fortune. I don't know when it was built. Maybe the sixties or seventies, I guess. Uh, I think it says. I think it says here when it was built. But um, in any case, uh, uh, construction of the organ took place between May nineteen twenty nine and December of nineteen thirty two. Which Whoa. means it was constructed during the heart of the uh, the depression here in the U.S. Wow! During which a lot of things were built. I mean, the Empire State Building went up around that same time, um, in in I think less than a year, or something. But anyway, um, this thing is basically the building. I mean, it is all over the building, and there are documentary films about it on YouTube. That if this interests you, I found incredibly interesting. That sixty-four foot pipe alone is worth the price of admission. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's in an enormous hall, uh, convention center. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, I'd, I'd like to go see it. And I'm seeing here on the wiki page that they hold occasional concerts because I believe it's not really fully working. And it says here, the instrument has not been fully functional since the 1944 Great Atlantic Hurricane. Um, the 15 to 20% that has recently become operational has begun to be heard for the first time in many decades. Wow. So apparently you can hear some little percentage of the thing. But it's an, it's an enormous repair project that apparently nobody wants to fund. I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, now, Sue, you did um, mention something because you, you sent in a, a video, which was a recording of the... Um uh, of the organ as well, which I'll play a little bit of in a bit. But you said you've actually been to see it, right? Oh, that's the perfect time for a uh, freeze right there. I'll tell you what I'll do then is I'll play the... Um, let me see if I've got the... No, that's not it. Oh, oh no, that's... Th this is it. Bark on the Biggest, which is a fantastic title for, <laughs> for any kind of record, I think. Um, let me just see if I can play this. There we go. I don't know how long that reverb is, or whether it's real. It sounds a little bit like it's... Oh, I'm sure it's the hall. Jesus, that is a big sound of mush, to a degree. Um, there was an um, a, there was illusion in the nut, but it, I mean, just in terms of the amount of sound, it must be. I mean, I guess that re that recording probably yep. doesn't do it justice if you're actually in the room. Um, so you were saying that you had been to the to that space, right? Uh, yeah, they had the, the when we went there, they we couldn't go inside, but they did have the remote console parked in front. Uh, I think it's part of their was it some fundraising or something that was going on. Uh, we also visited the John Wanamaker store in Philadelphia, which holds the uh, original world's largest pipe organ, which is fully functional, and they do regular concerts on, and um, is, in my opinion, a little bit more interesting organ. Uh, Virgil Fox recorded on it, and it sounds fabulous. The Atlantic City Hall organ is, 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 is very big, it's very loud, but a lot of it is based on like eight and four foot like unison stops and has everything about it is focused towards amplitude and amplitude right. uh, um, and just the massive size of it. But the, the John Wanamaker store, uh, store organ was actually designed for the 1904 
World's Fair in St. Louis. And then John Wanamaker was opening this department store in Philadelphia, and he was at the World's Fair, and he's like, hey, I really like this organ. I think it would be great in my new department store. So he bought it, and he had it shipped out to Philadelphia on uh, railroad cars. And then they got it installed in the building, and he said, eh, I don't think this, is, this isn't big enough. Let's make it bigger. So they spent like 30 years uh, increasing the size of the organ. And I think the, the Atlantic City organ was kind of motivated by a, a desire to one-up the Wanamaker organ. But I think in the end, the Wanamaker organ wins because it's better maintained. It's in regular use. And um, like I said, Virgil Fox recorded on it, and that album is incredible. Um, it's I I can't remember. I think it's it's just called like Virgil Fox plays the Wanamaker organ or something like that. But he's got some really interesting arrangements on there, and he really tried to make use of the of the full tonal range of the Wanamaker organ. So, it's a- I'm sorry, you want to. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's interesting. I, I mean, I I haven't really experienced. Uh, those kind of large scale organ. It sounds like in the states, there's more of a thing. You know, it sounded like that was a bit of a thing. Certainly during that period of people building these kind of uh, giant organs, just just to sort of create a spectacle. And would that be true, Rich? Well, um, I don't know about the spectacle aspect. Theater organ was later, but pipe or and they were built in conjunction with some of the bigger theater organs. But the actual history of pipe organ obviously goes back a lot further over in Europe yeah. and uh, than it does here because we just have a younger country. But And people didn't get around to building pipe organs for the first, I don't know, 100 years or so, or not, not that many of them and not that big. But yes, there are some lovely little town spaces. You go into a local church and they have a nice little pipe organ in there that still works, and there's there's plenty of that around. But I don't know about the cultural aspect, about the trying to be biggest and all that other thing. Um People were building, for example, the Wanamaker organ was not built for a space the size of the Atlantic City Convention Center. So no doubt some of the design motivation for the organ in Atlantic City was built, was based around the size of the space. It was, it was a fixed installation and it was intended to go into, whereas as Suit points out, the Wanamaker organ was designed for a world's fair and then was transported to another space. Um, I haven't heard them. So I have to take his word on. Have you have you ever have you actually ever have you ever played a pipe organ? I mean, because it's quite there's quite a delay, yes. isn't there? It's quite difficult to kind of get the. So I mean, it's okay, I guess, if you're playing to yourself, but if you're trying to play along with anybody, isn't that kind of an issue because of the delay? That yes. What's I mean, I'm guessing there must be quite a considerable delay on a 64 foot pipe. Well, in and the the ambience you heard on that recording was probably somebody attempting to make a two microphone recording or a one microphone recording of that organ in that space, and it would be almost impossible to get the ratio right between the envelopment sound of the hall and the actual pipes themselves by doing it that way. As much as I'm a great proponent of stereo microphones and all that, I'm I just that was you were probably hearing the real ambience of the hall. Wow. I don't I can't believe somebody went back into a studio and said this thing needs more reverb. <laughs> oh, it's entirely possible, I suppose. Um Sue, you also said that uh, you'd played uh pipe organs. Have you played like very large ones in in terms of and how, what are the challenges with that? I've only played a two-manual pipe organ. I've played, you know, three-manual electronic organs. But I'm, I'm not a classical organist. Uh, but I did, for a couple weeks, try a stint at being a church organist, <laughs> and uh, I had to. I actually had to quit because I was incompetent at it. 
Um, but part of it was that the or the organ itself was even was almost as incompetent as I was, and the the, the wind pressure was too low, and notes would like bend up into themselves, and like a note would go like, you know, it it was it was it was really irritating. Um, but a, a a pipe organ with proper wind pressure that's like properly maintained and everything can sound. I mean. The delay that people talk about with pipe organs is mainly one of the, the ambience. And also if there's like an antiphonal organ or the pipes are far away from the organist, there is, there is, there is absolutely a delay. But most of the delay that they talk about is reverberation delay. And it's, it, is, it does affect you while you're, you're playing. Um, and I, you know, I, I, um, a friend of mine's a, a church organist and he plays with soloists and and acquire a lot and it's it's he basically has to uh i don't know how he does it he said he he described like the mental process that he goes through to you know keep himself in time with his own choir and it was it just sounded ridiculous it's interesting i prefer hammond actually uh, well yeah it's a, i guess there's a more immediate and a more kind of visceral feel with that because you couldn't really sort of drive uh, I, I don't know if you remember rich we did a thing but it was a guy called joseph skrecek who uh was doing moog and organ in various uh, halls, in I think he's Polish, a Polish kind of uh, prog rock kind of guy, and there's some really beautiful kind of uh, really beautiful tones. And I, I just recall because when you what you were saying there, suit about the uh, bending of the notes, I noticed there were these things where it sort of sounded a bit like a bagpipe, <laughs> as I guess the air, the pressure gets in and the reed begins. I mean, I don't, I have no idea how these things work, but I'm imagining. You know, the people who can restore and keep these things together, they must be, you know, a, a team of about two worldwide who know really what to do with this kind of stuff no really is is there there's a bunch of them there's a bunch of them ah okay well that's a i guess the thing about mechanical stuff if it's uh, that's the beauty of it i suppose isn't it it's actually you know the not i guess you must need massive pumps to uh keep that kind of air pressure up yes which is why you'd put uh, motors and pumps and you know belt driven devices and yeah it's a huge children on bicycles you know there's a whole, you know, starting up of the thing that's, you would really enjoy, I, I know the one about the Atlantic City uh, organ is very interesting, and I'll bet you there are documentaries about the Wanamaker organ as well that are just as interesting, and uh, I found them fascinating. It's a really interesting uh, insight into what goes into these things. Yeah, I, I would, I would like to check that out. But I mean, just the size of that. I, mean, I know there's, there's, there are so many show titles in this topic that I, it's, uh, but and they're all slightly rude. So uh, I'm just going to leave you with a picture of that. But uh, <laughs> I think thirty years to thirty years to increase the size of an organ was a great quote, actually. But uh, I'm not sure if I could use that. It might, uh, it might end up just going a little bit too far to the dark side. Um, uh, let's have a look. See what else. There. Ah, yeah. Did anyone see? Uh, th- and this is, th- and th- this, this is uh, really not about this particular movie, but it's about the genre, the, the whole notion of music movies. There's obviously this movie out at the moment, which is uh, I'm gonna have to fast forward because we're just gonna get absolutely hammered on the. Let's see if I can find the bit. This is uh, the Zac Efron movie, which is We Are Your Friends, and it's you know as does tend to happen you know every once in a while you kind of try there are movies made that try and get the zeitgeist of what's happening in the world of kind of teen culture and i, I want to find that because there's this still in this movie where zach plays uh he's playing and there's a, there's some really god-awful quotes about all you need oh yeah here we go all you need is a laptop uh some talent and one track 
Uh, hold on, I'm going to go keep moving forward because he's playing at a disco and he meets the meets the beautiful lady. And then there's the party. Hold on, wait a sec. I'm going to fast forward. Here we go. Because there is actually a still. This was quite unusual, obviously. Lots of babes in this mm. one. Yeah, here we go. It's, well, that wasn't the still I was looking for, funnily enough, Rich, but it'll do for the time being. Here it comes. Oh, 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 hold on, I'm trying to do this remotely over something else. There is a guy who sort of checks him out and says, oh, you are the guy. And there's a picture of him. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, this is this is me describe. I'm having to describe this because I don't play. Here we go. Here it comes. He's obviously the big record producer who's going. You're the guy. And look at that. There's a Buchler sound easel right there on the desk, <laughs> which really kind of blew my mind a little bit. I just thought I'd put that in there. But yeah, this is the We Are Your Friends. It's the new Zac Efron movie, which is apparently historically tanked. Kind of is one of the top three tanking movies uh, of of all time that was released in 2000 um cinemas but you know that's not really the point i mean it wasn't really a kind of let's get at the how badly wrong they got it you have to pricey youth culture to kind of bring it out into the cinema to a degree you know to make it mainstream which is obviously what they're attempting to do with this but what i was thinking about is there are periodically these kind of movies that come out that try and capture the zeitgeist and i i, I started thinking about this i think what what if any do you think have actually successfully succeeded in doing that because there are um you know, uh, uh, that have made it to mainstream. I mean, we had a, we have those kind of uh, artist movies, which are I, I certainly in the UK. There was uh, Quadrophenia. There were um, various movies like that. And uh, I think the Harder They Come is probably the biggest one, which is the Jimmy Cliff one, which that's the only one I could think of that actually had critical acclaim, was actually a pretty good movie, but also did the things. You get the Beatles, you get, you know, the, all of that stuff. But this, this is very specifically on a musical genre. I don't know. Can you... Uh, I'm wondering who to go to first. You're both sort of not catching my eye, so I'm guessing neither of you really want to comment on this. I don't know. I'm going to go to um, you, Rich, because you may have seen more of them in your illustrious career, or indeed worked on some. Help me out. What am I commenting on now? Uh, sorry, was, was I waffling? I was waffling. Well, just when it's done, is it? have you ever seen it done successfully when a movie like this is trying to capture the essence of like an entire musical genre or movie, a musical movement, if you like? It's one of the reasons why I resist going to music movies entirely. Really? <laughs> yes. I don't. I've never seen I've never seen Immortal Beloved. I've never seen the Ray Charles movie. Um I resist. Because inevitably I sit there screaming at the screen saying, That's not how it went, you know, and uh you know, it's just I just don't do I know people love them. I thank I thank our stars that we have them for those people, but no. Not for you. <laughs> None for me, thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, if it's documentary, like if I, I could sit down with you and, you know, have a pint and watch the Woodstock movie and we could talk about what that might have been like because I wasn't there. But, but um, in other words, when it's a documentary form, yeah, I'm, I saw, you know, Pink Floyd play at the Pompeii thing, you know, back in the day, you know, whatever, in the quadraphonic movie theater. But... um. But, you know, when Hollywood gets hold of it, uh, no, I'm not interested. Mm, yeah, no, that's a good point about documentary. I don't know. Uh, so over to you, Sue. Can you fly the flag? Can you successfully defend the indefensible? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll defend the indefensible. I love that. Um, uh, the first thing I would point out is, uh, well, I guess I have, I have two votes. Uh, these are the, uh, the two movies that I think are the best music movies ever made. And one of them is called Fear of a Black Hat. And the other one is called Walk Hard. Wow, I think okay. those are brilliant and genius. They capture everything. That, like, 
I <laughs> have you seen these movies? Yet? I'm, I'm I'm going for I'm going for Fear of a Black Hat now. I'm a mockumentary chronicling the rise and fall of NWH. Not particularly talented, bright. Uh, ah, so kind of like Spinal Tap type of parody type thing. It is, it is a rewrite of Spinal Tap for '90s rap. It is brilliant. I mean, I've seen this movie 180 times, if not 300. I love it. I can probably I can rattle off lines from it all day long. And uh, yeah, I accidentally find myself doing it in daily conversation. Um, the, other, the other movie that I think really effectively, ca- you know, is Walk Hard, the, the legend of Dewey Cox, or however, I think that was the subtitle. But it's about this, it's, it's a parody of music movies as well, and it's a different kind of parody. And it, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I can't, so, so, I can't, I can't. It's a Jim Morrison kind of look there. I don't know if that's what they were going for. I haven't seen either of them actually. I'm gonna have to check them out. Oh, yeah, those are those are my two votes. Okay, well that's fair enough. I mean, I, I think I wonder. I mean, because obviously this is this is geared around the notion of the superstar DJ and you know kind of being plucked. You know, start. It's basically uh, as far as I can understand it from the the from the the, the trailer. It's to do with a bunch of people who organise parties. One of the guys is a DJ. He gets famous. The rest of the gang don't. There's all of that oh. kind of Disney good, you know, good and bad, and then there you go, and it probably all works out well in the end. And he knows who his friends really are, that kind of thing. I'm, I, I'm, I'm totally guessing, but I, I think if it's Hollywood, it's fairly likely. Sorry. So, yeah, oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to have a third one. Is actually uh, 24 hour party people. Ah, okay, that was that's the... another really, really. But all these movies are comedies that I'm, I'm putting all the serious music movies. I have no interest in them. Right. Okay. Just like. Like Rich, <laughs> Rich, you want to? Well, wanna... But I have come up with a favorite since you're you started describing yours, and my favorite would have to be the Rabbit of Seville, Bugs Bunny. Ah, was, was that the, the one? Okay. Piece, uh, was that? It was the finest piece of film ever put to music. Music put to film I've ever seen. It's right, and there's another one called What's Opera Doc that's damn close. But I think the Rabbit of Seville would go down as my favorite. Is that the one where he's the? Um... The, the pianist or is it uh hold on no there's that one too no no the rabbit of seville is they do the opera the barber of seville with him as the barber and and uh elmer is the uh, elmer fudd yes there he is unwitting customer <laughs> excellent actually that's a good call well Carl starling who of course um is one of the you know i mean that i i recall when i first started out in music um my um creative partner had uh, a, a, a cd called the carl stalling project which is um, Got it. it's it's amazing and it's basically a documentation sure. of carl starling uh, and ha- what they used to do playing to music and honestly that there, there, there's a whole sequence i don't know if, if you've not heard it i'll try, just describe it for those who haven't um there's a whole series because you, you hear you know they're playing these really articulated and kind of heavily orchestrated things along with a kind of some sort of action sequence and they play and you hear this kind of little bit of a bit of a dink dink and he goes no no again and they do it again and then and, and i cannot hear for the life of me the difference between the two things but i'm guessing it must be in the sync and they play it to the big screen in the old school style and that was just that is the real i mean that i guess that art is kind of dead to a degree um but uh, well there are people doing live performances <clears throat> with orchestra of some of those things wow you must have to be a seriously talented player to be able to kind of join in yeah, one of those kind of challenging music to play i've seen it I, live with an orchestra it's very it stravinsky isn't it a lot of it <laughs> a lot of uh, yeah and there was a there we should also say there's another guy named milt franklin who was uh stalling's 
orchestrator and then took over basically the reins when Stalling finished with Warner Brothers. And uh, he also wrote some brilliant things. Um, but Stalling was a genius, and I'll, I'll never tire of that stuff. Yeah, ever. it's amazing. I don't know. We seem to have wandered off piece from music technology. To, no, no, that's, that's <laughs> entirely my own fault. Uh, and I, I, I make no apologies. Well, I am apologising, but I don't see why I should. We've done the uh, the 20s organ and the uh, cartoon music of the 30s and 40s. <laughs> Anything else you care to add to that, uh, Mr. Suit? Uh, or should that be Mr. Tiger? Good, it is good. <laughs> yeah, that's... Tiger is good. I like that. <laughs> Mr. T. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not Mr. T. Okay. Uh, I am a fan, but not. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. Oh right, okay. He's got a great. Um, so I got. I, I haven't quizzed you about your massive backdrop of equipment back there. Is that an Eventide H three thousand in the back there? I'm seeing a bit of digital yeah, action. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I, I'm. I'm not sure if what you. Yeah. This red thing right here. Not quite seeing that. Yeah, I'm seeing. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's an Archangel. That's a sequencer with a touch plate keyboard. I think I've seen one. Uh, of those. I have it mounted. Yeah, well, this is a Detachment 3. Uh, this is uh, designed with, like, it's... The engineer that I work with, his company name is Detachment 3. And I'm STG Sound Labs. And we do everything together. Um, but this is... This has his name on it. Right. And it's standalone. And modular stuff has my name on it. I uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a couple of uh, Oberheim Echoplexes. I've got six of these. Wow. I love them. They're the best loopers ever made. Um, and then this is a H3000. I, I, uh, it's another one of my favorite things. It, um, uh, I, I, I've probably, one of the things I've probably listened to um, more than, well, more than I probably ought to are like Robert Fripp Soundscapes records. And his sound on those records is entirely about a GR300 guitar synth and an Eventide H3000 and uh, a pair of stereo loopers. So that's um, your setup right there. That's why I have right that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this is it's great. It's great. I love I love this thing to death. I got a MIDI timepiece for clock distro and a bunch of Lexicon stuff. And then uh, over here. Um, so this cabinet is the voice cabinet. It has oscillators and filters, envelope generators, and um, you know, VCA and such. And then this cabinet right here is all sequencing. So this is a nine, uh, synthesizers.com 960 sequencer. And uh, these are my sequencers, uh, the Voltage Mini Store. There's three of them and three Trigger Mini Stores. And uh, I generally what I do is I use... Uh, I use this volt, this trigger mini store to control the rhythm of one of the voices on my modular. The other voice in the modular I control from this trigger sequencer or from um, this, the switch right here. This is a, um, I, I make a ratcheting rhythm patch like uh, to simulate uh tangerine dream. We can talk about that later, but eh, I, I, these are rhythmic generators right here. This trigger mini store though, I have this one permanently chained to the, uh, let's see if, uh, uh, I have this permanently chained to the, the Juno 60 right ah, here. Okay. Okay. Now this cabinet, this cabinet is called the hot mix five named in honor of those 
uh, Chicago house DJs. Right. So you got Electribe. You know, the... Is that Electribe? Is that an MC202 type yeah. thing? And, uh, uh, no, no. We got a, a Electribe ESX 909, uh, 808, and then a Zoxbox and the Juno 60. Right. And then, um, yeah, that, uh, actually, I can spin this around. You can see um, this is my King Korg and my Kronos. And uh, I can't. Uh, I can't turn it the other way. Oh, that's okay. Wow, that, that's but, an uh, impressive setup. This is this is that this is actually my live rig. Right. Um, I'm I I actually take all of I'm that out on the road to, if you were. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a well. I've got a trailer, and um, you know everything's in cases. Right. And uh, yeah, I I play uh, side trance parties uh, in the in the middle of uh, cornfields, and they 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 pay me like five bucks but it's okay i don't care it's, like, it's that classic they pay me more than five bucks but yeah i got, I I mean, got your feet like isn't that I don't, the, i'm not i don't do it for the money isn't it the uh, I, there's I it that old adage isn't it what's it uh, i saw a, it's like a meme the other day it's like a musician is someone who play who puts five grand's worth of equipment into a 150 dollar <laughs> yes. car drives 500 miles for <laughs> to, and gets paid 150 bucks or 50 or less yeah it's that kind of uh, that kind, of, but yeah, well, it's, well, yeah, that's, that looks fantastic. Um, which does bring me to uh, it does bring us rather neatly to perhaps our closing topic, which is the uh, alchemy uh, that has resurfaced. I don't know whether what you use do you use DAW environment or you mostly you all out of the box and just record the final mix. I I used to I used to use uh, computer sequencing a lot. Are you familiar with numerology? I've yes, it's quite. A, a, I've, 512.com numerology is a uh, is it's it's a modular sequencer slash uh, audio unit host for the Macintosh, and it's been going since like 2000. I think I think 2002. I would say yeah, probably 2001 or two uh, 2000. Let's say 2001. Oh, that's anyway, it there. the first three years. Yeah, yeah. The first three years of numerology, it was all like Jim Coker and me. And he is the programmer. It's his baby. Um, it got to a certain point where I was not really relevant. Um, and then I, I got into hardware. Um, so we, but all my sequencing stuff comes from my experience with, uh, with, de- with developing numerology with Jim. Ah, okay. He's, it's his baby, but, uh, you know, it was, it, it was, a lot of the I, I I got everything that I wanted to see in a MIDI sequencer in that program. Right. Um. And and I and then what happened was in like 2005 or 2006, uh, my PowerBook G4 uh, melted at a gig, and uh, I said I was never going to gig with a computer ever again for the rest of my That's life. That's a beautiful way for it to go, though. There's something poetic about that, I guess, in in many oh, ways. Yeah. But. <laughs> What a way to go, melting at a gig. Um, well, perhaps, Rich... Oh, it was sorry. my own fault. Ah, okay. Sorry. Just overheating. You were taxing it too hard. Well, it's what, I, it's what I got for trying to use Native Instruments B4 instead of my actual Hammond organ at a gig. Right. Is, you know, I mean, it's a great program, but I just, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I, I have to have hardware. Well, I think that's a, that's a good sentiment. Good. If you could get it there and get it in and out and use it, that's fine. I know, Rich, what, this this was the news, obviously, that uh, Logic Pro 10.2 came out. And uh, as we know, um, Alchemy uh, 
was bought or camel audio was bought by apple and we all wondered what was going to happen and now here it is it's actually back it's now shown up in logic and it comes with the upgrade i think uh you know they're, they're bigging it up and it's had an upgrade as well so i think that, that uh, ben i think it's ben from camel audio is probably working on it and a bunch of other new features do you think this is um apple picking up the ball again and starting to kind of uh reintroduce well obviously they are reintroducing we've talked about logic before i mean it's a it's a hell of a lot of value for the money now with this in it because that was originally a couple of hundred bucks wasn't it or un- over a hundred bucks just for alchemy i think i'm not familiar with what alchemy used to sell for but uh the logic remains at 199 i think i'm pretty sure and they give you a ton of content and the synthesizer seems like a really nice welcome addition i haven't used it uh other than to just listen to it so I can't speak to the wonderfulness of Alchemy in particular, but uh, I played one of their demo <laughs> songs that has tons of alchemies in it, and it all sounded really cool to me, and I, I sort of get what they're pointing at, at least in those demos. Um, it seems like, seems like a nice contender for Apple, and certainly a welcome upgrade, I would think, to, for anybody who's already using Logic, because the whole user interface seems to be nicer and... Uh, they got a nice skin on it now. I'm, I guess they had it. They had it in ten as well. But uh, looks nice, plays nice. Seems like a good deal for two hundred bucks. And uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the other things that are coming. I don't know if you're a Logic user. I don't know if perhaps you're not. A um, little bit. A little bit. Uh, you can now share directly to Apple Music Connect, which is obviously the new feature. The other thing that's quite interesting is you can share and backup files into Gobbler. They've kind of made that as a bullet point, which is quite an interesting uh, development because, as we know, Gobbler's had a bit of a rocky road with the whole Avid thing. Uh, force touch trackpad support, create your own track icons. I'm sure I could spend hours doing that if I really could be bothered. <laughs> um, uh, now independent hatlings, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's now possible to replace a replace mode for audio recording, create new tracks with the same channel strip, uh, instead of a take folder time quantize. I'm just seeing if there's anything kind of new global key commands to set nerge. And, uh, yeah. Some of the other things are kind of quite minor, but it's good to see that there, there's a response because, I mean, as we know, it, go, it tends to go long, a long way between. I mean, the only, I do feel somewhat sorry for the uh, Alchemy Windows users because, obviously, you know, it was multi-platform and that's kind of a bit of a drag because they had maybe a lot invested in that. That's the problem with software, I guess. That, that's the thing that can happen, right? <coughs> well, yes, and I, and I see some people in the chat room talking about how it's devalued the Alchemy product uh, to the former Alchemy base and that is undoubtedly true, but there is a long, 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 long history of that going on before this moment, although it, this moment is included in that long history, of people who worked their asses off to develop amazing software, ended up selling it to a major corporation who within a year is giving it away with part of a package, thus completely devaluing the thing for the people who actually spent their hard-earned money with the original developer. Yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot. I think if they... If, I mean, this... They, speak to that i'm sure i'm sure he could yeah i think this this does raise a more interesting issue though if you think about you know all of these daws now are including all of these kind of exclusive instruments and plugins that work just for them i mean surely it would make sense there comes a point where the value of the plugins and the instruments are it's worth buying the software if they made those available if you buy them they have to be authorized by a full install of the sequencer itself but then they would become available in other sequences as audio units or vsts 
that would make a lot of sense because I mean, then you just you're buying you buy logic just to get access to those things, maybe in a, a third party sequencer, those kind of things. It would kind of make that would that, would that be smart or is that kind of uh, that's far too de- dem- democratic as a concept? Well, I don't know how did. <clears throat> pardon me. How did um, Apple implement Alchemy? Did they make it a plugin? And if I launch my Blue Cat Audio plugin host, will it come up? I don't know about that. I haven't actually, checked. I don't know. I I, I, I don't think it happened because they're they're not audio units; they're native ones. I guess, uh, Mister Suit, you don't have uh, um, have the answer to that question either. But uh, I'm going to fire over to you in in case you do. <laughs> I don't have the answer to that question, uh, but I can say that. I do use the, uh, I do, I did, uh, soon after my laptop melted and I, one of the other rules that I made for myself is I don't use any plugins that didn't come with digital performer. I limit myself entirely to those plugins to make sure that my projects are forward compatible, um, to future suit and tie guy. Um, I'm, I had some, you know, I just, uh, they're, all these DAWs have great plugins with them. I mean, you know, the digital performers the plugins aren't, I wouldn't try to make a case that they were better or worse than what comes with logic. I mean, the, the ones that come with logic are definitely like more powerful, like more feature laden, but I was able to, and I was able to use the drum sampler and in performer to do like a drum and bass, uh, break beat on one of my tracks with no, problem whatsoever i was able to do a mute group and pitch it up and down and what you know pitch it up the way that i wanted to 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 hear the slices and um so yeah i mean i when i when i do use soft sense i just use what's in the program right or what came with um the os so are you using a daw of some kind to to record audio at all or you, you just keeping away from that now totally no, no, no. I, I, I actually, I still love, um, I still love performer. I still have to, you know, I mix with performer. Uh, I do my tracking either to, uh, I got a studio live, uh, 32 AI with, uh, their capture software, yeah, which is yeah. just bullet. It's amazing. Um, I love it. And I just bought a Denon DN 700 R, which is a one rack unit, uh, SD recorder that even has network uh, capability, uh, you can record to two SD cards in unison. Okay. For, for safety, for, for, for safety's sake. And it has an FTP server on it and you can FTP right into the recorder. So when I, I'm, I'm going to replace this, my mixer, uh, oh, sorry, my mixer here, this is a, a Roland M480, which is yeah. one of the most amazing line mixers ever made, but I'm done with it. I, I need, I need presets more than I need like direct uh, knobs and whatnot. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to replace this mixer with uh, something. I'm actually going to try using a Motu AVB interface as a mixer, uh, okay. um, which I think is kind of risky, but I'm excited about it because I, the, the, the device presets in the new Motu interfaces are extremely useful. And with the room, the extra room that I'm going to make, I'm going to throw that Denon in there. And then anytime I'm playing over here and I get something neat going on, I can just reach over, hit record. It's in hardware. I don't have to, I don't have to mess with the computer or anything. And then after I've recorded something, I can pull the SD card out and walk it over to my, you know, sneaker net it, as they used to say, over to my Mac. Or I could have the Mac plugged in. You know, I could have it on my network and I could just suck it off my, 
my the the denon and then load it into performer and then you know right normalize it so and, is the, and limit i'm it looking there. i'm looking at a picture of the denon that's just a two track right yes yeah ah, it's just okay. two track i i actually my music that i record that's improv uh, improvisational uh i just recorded two track i'm not interested in multi-track on that stuff but i have you like multi-track i fire up performer and i do track by track and i run cables back and forth but um as far as you know, my as far as my own music goes, and for it's funny, you know, it, what I do with the two tracks is enough. It's funny you mentioning that FTP server. I, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich. You might remember this. Was it the Mackie uh, hard disk recorders, or the uh, uh, I think the Mackie ones where you had to put a drive in and you could FTP? They had network and you could FTP and pull. The, it was very very slow. It was like a what is it, like a 10 a 10 um ethernet but i don't know if you recall that we used to use them live for playing out with uh bands that i put on the road and and, and did the pre-production for and but it was because you couldn't read the drives any other way the best way to do it was pull it out over ftp but it was a really slow ftp connection but i don't recall now somebody made a hard disk recorder a portable hard disk recorder that had removable drives that you could supposedly read straight into your computer mm. you know via a drive connector of some form. I don't remember exactly how, but uh, I can't it remember. didn't involve FTP. No, I can't remember what it was. It, it's, it's, uh, I don't know if it was Radar or it was Mackie. It was one of those uh, people making a, you know, like three or four rack space, 24 track. I think uh, Radar just, Radar would probably make sense because they, they were pretty ahead of the game for quite a long time. In fact, lots of people, in fact, the, the guys from Porter's Head, they, they use Radar, and people still do, don't they? They use Radar systems as traditional tape because it comes you can get that big kind of otari type remote control and just kind of ping it in and the uh the a to d's and the converters in them are supposed to be really uh special i saw you nodding there so did you recall oh yeah no i was no, i was nodding that otari that uh radio that they that portishead does indeed use radar uh they also will run their tracks out from the radar through um a rolling tape echo to yeah. color them and bring them back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but the one, the recorder that you're thinking of, I think is the one I have in the other room that I don't use anymore, which is the Alesis HD 24. I think that was it. It um, just came up in the chat room as well. Yeah. I want to say, uh, congratulations, Sonic four, four, nine, seven. I think you just pipped Mr. Suit to that, to that one. So nice work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at it. Yeah. This is the guy. That's right. I remember this. Yeah. It was very uh, the the FTP on it the oh. the Ethernet connector on it the the I'm sorry the Ethernet interface is a ten base T. Ah! Wow, what's going on there? Help! <laughs> wow, I don't know what happened there. That was just some kind of random <laughs> bit of playing. Well, anyway, <laughs> never. I think I just yes, it was. It was like a ten base T, wasn't it? And it was just ridiculously slow. If you're taking it was, yeah. sixteen tracks off it, it'll take you all night. But you could, yeah. It was. I mean, it was. It's quicker to just use the ADAT ports and run it into. But I would. I had the. I had the fire port, um, mm. which is a, you pull the drives out, you plug it into this caddy, um, and then you you firewire it into the computer. It was FireWire four hundred, and uh, Lisa's software never was. It was never finished. Yeah, I remember. And there was some an open source uh, <laughs> software that was developed too, even, and that worked better yeah. than uh than what alesis did but the the hd24 and the andromeda were really the last alesis products when uh, well, when they were before, trying to do like really high-tech stuff before in music and uh yeah yeah before yeah and and the i tell you the hd24 i had the xr edition which has the the nicer mic 
uh, the nicer AD converters on it. And it's just a, it was, it's sad because it's a, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic machine. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But I, it's too much of a, too much of a pain to move the tracks off. So yeah, I, think, I, I went with the Personas um, solution. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I think we, it was Goldfrap, we had a pair of them and they went around the world, I don't know, three times or so. And they, they, you know, they, but they just did have a massive box of drives because it was so difficult to reorder the set. You know, you had to pull fire. It was just kind of crazy, and that, that's all mm-hmm. been sorted out now. I don't know what I think they use. Mm, yeah, mainstay. I forget which, but uh, yeah, they were able. They were able to do amazing things with really slow hard drives at the time because they actually made their own. Uh, their own, they made their own disk format. Uh, those drives are not compatible with anything. Yeah. They they basically <laughs> write all of the tracks. That, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's smart, isn't it? In many ways, not these days because now you just you just most of these kind of you, no, you don't need just to. hang a drive off the back in USB and just there you go. I mean, that's there's a whole new generation of stuff now. Anyway, that was the uh, now we 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 brought things up to uh, perhaps the turn of the century at least now. So uh, we're talking about uh, antiquated uh, uh, hardware. So anyway, I think this is probably a good time to stop. We've been chatting for a while. It's uh, now uh, time for me to head off. But I want to say thank you every much. For, uh, everybody for joining us uh, just quickly uh, mr suit if you just tell us one more plug for knobcon um not this weekend next weekend right that's right uh september 11th to the 13th chicago land illinois uh, uh specifically uh itasca at the uh, chicago uh, uh the western chicago northwest so it's a, it's a nice hotel and um we got plenty of room for everybody i'd love to see you out there uh it's not too late um and uh yeah it's the it's the it's the world's only and greatest synthesizer convention <laughs> great tagline there i like that and we will uh definitely i'm definitely going to get out there at some point thank you very much but thank you very much for joining us mr sue and also thank you mr rich hilton over there in uh, sunny connecticut well i guess the sun is less uh, uh um, less of it around these days just purely because we're officially here anyway it's the last day of summer which is kind of depressing or well, yesterday was and it's been raining constantly. In fact, I'd just like to say thank you to my daughter. We've got a Velux window which opens like this in the roof, and she'd been hanging out of it and left it open, tilting into the room. When I went up to bed this um, last night, the carpet was like a swamp because it rained real hard. But anyway, she knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't come through the ceiling, at least. Oh, <laughs> Bless her. She's going to a new school tomorrow, so as are most UK school children back to school. So it's the end of the summer holidays. But anyway, Rich, thank you for joining us. I'm rambling again. Thank you. And good luck to your daughter at school. Uh, I Well, I'm sure she will not need it, but I know she's looking forward to it very much. Right. So that's it for this week. I want to say thank you again to our sponsors, Isotope. Just a quick recap there. If you want to enter the competition, you need to tweet out the hashtag ultimate distortion and hashtag trash2 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, and that will enter you into the competition. Uh, and you can add some other stuff in there. We've got 140 characters. Go crazy. Uh, well, not crazy, but, you know, go creative or something. So that's it. Thank you very much for watching. I think what I might try and do is I just, because there's this beautiful uh, piece of music, which I might try and play out. This was the organ piece that I mentioned uh, of Joseph, uh, Joseph Skrychek, which I absolutely adore. And I think it's just got, a really quite a special sound to it let's see if this is the right yeah that sounds like it i'll play this out a little bit and uh let's see if i make that bigger you can probably oh no i don't want to make it that big hold on technical malfunction here you can hear the notes bending
and there's the Moog solo that comes in the set. I'll just put this up. I really, th this piece still does something for me, but it's just the p the power of the organ. And if you get the chance, get over to Atlantic City and uh, maybe check that out. <laughs> 